This is Susan Robb for New Books Network. I'm talking with Linda Ragsdale, who's an author, an illustrator, and also president of a fascinating organization called Peace Strategy. This is Susan Robb for New Books Network. I'm talking with Linda Ragsdale, who's an author, an illustrator, and also president of a fascinating organization called Peace Dragon. And her books for Flowerpot Press for children are under the Peace Dragon imprint. So Linda, first, thank you for joining me to talk about this. It's it's terrific. Oh, well, thank you. I'm so glad for the opportunity. Uh, anytime I can talk about kids, books, and peace, count me in. Well, it seems from what I from what I understand, you've been doing that all over the world. And, and I gather <laughs> that that uh, inspiration for that started from uh, an attack that you actually uh, experienced, right, in, in Mumbai. I think that, you know, some of the most amazing movements for life come from darkest moments, where we really find um, courage and answers from facing things that we would rather not face. And um, yes, I am one of the survivors of the 2008 Mumbai terrorist attacks. Um, I am, you know, one of those people who have sat in a restaurant and waited for a gunman to reach my table and um, facing what I thought would have been a monster and seeing a young boy and and having nothing but compassion and um, heartache for understanding where in this world two people could come to see each other as monsters and uh, where a child would have to come to speak to me with a gun. Um, and then where are the choices that we make after this moment? So in this small, brief moment of experience for me, it gave me a platform of teaching peace on how to see ourselves with love and see the world with love, how to speak to the world with love and speak to ourselves with love, and then make choices in a space and place of love and compassion, knowing that we are all connected and our decisions do affect not only ourselves, but everyone around us. So what was that? What were you doing there, for one thing? And where where were you in your life, in your career? (laughs) Um, In my career, I was uh, already going out and teaching. The next set of books actually would have come out. And I had to cancel a book signing because I was recovering from the, I had a a machine gun bullet wound that um, covers about a third of my body. And um, I was teaching children how to own the artistry of their life and look at their, uh, you know, the blank page that we have and equate that not only as an opportunity to create something on paper, creation, you know, being the greatest gift that we have, but also recreating it when it doesn't turn out exactly like we want it to. So taking the lessons of the artist on the page and off the page into our lives. And um, I was there on a physical purpose, too. For 14 years, I had been diagnosed and moved from autoimmune illness to autoimmune illness. And meditation had actually found me this beautiful, peaceful space. So I was there with a great group of 24 seasoned meditators, and they're on a mission of peace. 
and crossed paths with, of course, 11 men who were not there for peace. Hmm. Wow. So when this happened, uh, and I mean, first, how did you get out of there? I, you know, the amazing thing are there are uh, everyday heroes that are dressed in everyday clothes and two young boys who, you know, should have run, who should have gone to save their lives, waited until after the second barrage of bullets and called out into the restaurant and said, if you're alive, come here now. Oh my. And um, I went. I, I knew I wanted to live. Um, it's a, I don't know how I lifted myself. I had uh, laid myself over a friend. We were both, there was not room under our table. Um, and because the bullet wound literally started, uh, traveled down my spinal cord and it, it damaged my, you know, my arm and my muscles on that side. Um, but I got in there and then they came back again a third time blowing up the, uh, restaurant and the foyer and they let us out. And to our great grace, there were amazing cab drivers who stayed there because at that time they had started to call martial law in Mumbai. These cab drivers stayed for any survivors and drove us to the hospital. I mean, I have my greatest respect and love for India. I consider it my second home. Um, the grace and courage and beauty of the people um, will forever be in my heart. Wow. So, so when, where did you go from there? You came home or did you, <laughs> you stay know, in India? You know, I, yeah, I had to stay there for a while before they could move me. I, I, um, was, uh, awoke with about uh, eight drainage tubes. Cause like I said, it was a very large wound. And when I got down to a monkey tail, uh, which was one tube, I got to go home. <laughs> and, um, the first thing I did, the first time I could drive my kids to school uh, a friend of mine asked if I would come and speak at a school. So the first day I could stand, I started speaking of peace. And during the time that I had been uh, laying in recovery, I had already formulated the peace dragon. And Naomi uh, Cher, who and her and her father were killed at our table, hours before this, she had asked me to teach her how to draw a dragon. And um, I didn't get to do it. I... I um, you know, we assume there will always be a tomorrow, and I had put it off for a day. So I knew that I wanted to go and teach children how to draw peace dragons. I wanted to honor her last request of me. Um, so the peace dragon was born from that moment to go through and teaching children how to draw a peace dragon. And every peace dragon is drawn with empty hands. And children are asked to connect not only with the love of things that they have within themselves, to bring the gifts that they are given, whether it's sports or love of music or their favorite foods, out that this peace dragon would bring to the world, or even look into their communities and see what they would bring to comfort and aid our communities around us. Our children are very aware of what is going on in their world. And when you hear their wishes, when you see their gifts, there is a great amount of knowledge that we as adults can learn about what we are missing that our children pick up on. So that's, I started traveling the world. And by no choice of my own right, when I spoke 
uh, someone spoke about me, so I got an offer to speak in Peru. When I spoke in Peru, I got an offer to speak in Brazil. From Brazil, I went to China, from China to Japan, back to India, um, to Canada, and that's where it is. I go around and I, I teach, and we look at view, voice, and choice, and that's when my stories of how those Somebody flew on an airplane and, and met a publisher and said, you need to be able to tell these stories without you having to be there. And my knowledge was we do need to teach peace. As soon as a child walks into the door, we can start to teach ideas of peace and plant the seeds that negate the doors that open for someone to be bullied that allow them to think a little differently, love themselves differently, and really send out compassion for someone who might try and hurt them because we learn that toxicity lies within them and not within, you know, us, who or the person who's being attacked or being challenged by this person. Now, when you uh, do these books, one of the things yeah. that you focus on here is celebrating individual differences. And what, what struck me in looking at the books, I mean, there's not opposites and words, uh, alphabetter and how I did it are the two that are newer. The, when, when I look through the books, what, what's fascinating is you have found ways of showing transition and, and having um, sort of one entity understand what it could be like to be another. And we want to be able to create that space, right? That you want to be able to open up. And what we call it in, in teaching pieces, that 360-degree view. When we understand, and the way I teach it is with a symbol. So if you imagine a heart is in a circle and there are dots that are surrounding that circle. When we are all one of those dots on the outside of the circle, it takes all 360 degrees of us to understand and see the whole heart of whatever we're looking at, no matter what subject we put in there, whether it's religion, whether it's an elephant or a fire truck, you know, we go in there. Anytime we allow any opinion, idea, or um, dot to disappear, we will never get the whole truth. We will never get the whole story. And if we start teaching this at an early age, we will see all the dots that are looking at, you know, say one portion of the heart are sort of yes people who see things the same way we do, that we will understand to really understand if a program we are putting together or putting forth out into the world will work, is that we go to the people who see things differently, that our collaborations have to expand to including all of those, because as we do, we then become that unified one. We then unify the picture and do become wholehearted um, in a very, and that's a very simplistic understanding, if that makes sense. Yeah. Now, now what kinds of things do kids say to you? Are these concepts that they uh, hear and then respond to that they get that? Do they give you pushback on some? You know what? I have not had pushback. I, I, the greatest joy, I think I just had my favorite comment ever. I was up teaching in San Jose and one of the kids turned to me and she said, you're as smiley as your books. <laughs> so That's great. I, right? I, could, I don't think there's any better compliment that an author could get. No, I think that there's a great comfort in what they hear. And I like the fact that it allows them to give a voice to some of the things they're feeling. Not opposites approaches the idea that you know, we teach opposites. 
And what ends up happening is if you think you're right, that makes me wrong. But at the same time, I think I'm right, and that makes you wrong. And that builds a division wall that we need to bring down. So the, the mantra of not opposites, it's not better, it's not worse, it's not opposites, it's just different. That we start to understand that you can walk to the cafeteria down one hallway, and I can go down the steps. We're both, both going to end up in the cafeteria. Not a better way, not a worse way, not opposites, just different. And when we as, as adults can turn around and say, do you think you're seeing that just differently? Do you, can you see how they might see it? That we open up the ideas of conversation for conflict resolution. When we can say it's just different, that we don't put it in a hierarchy of thought, we then start creating all of the open spaces for allowance and acceptance. And that is a great gift for this world right now, to allow space for different ideas. Now, when you go in to speak uh, at schools in particular, what ages are you normally speaking to? Well, you know, I'm preparing a trip. I'm going to Brazil uh, at the end of our summer, right in August and going in. But I go from pre-K all the way through adult. And I teach, I speak um, consistently at college, as I speak at, at Vanderbilt in the, in the school years about conflict resolution. Um, I had stood up in the trial and used my voice. So we talk about the power of voice. So each, you know, there's a lesson of peace within every age group. And so depending upon what the school might be dealing with, then we'll take those lessons of peace forward and we'll ask them. And every, you know, the wonderful thing about picture books is it's a short read with great seeds of opportunity to bring the discussions of peace forward. So not only my books, but I can bring other great books in that also share the vision of peace. Um, I had the great joy of speaking at the ALA Pop Top stage with Jessica Young and Susan Eady, two amazing and lovely authors from my, the Nashville area, and their books too. Each, so we each took one of our books and used them as view, voice, and choice and showed how a lot of books in our libraries can be the seeds that teachers can pick up and use and also bring to light the conversations we have to redirect our thinking into open and inclusivity. Um, and, and really, not only to create peace in the world, but peace within our own selves and with these children. So I teach every age and every age group. Now, I read, too, that you have presented to the FBI and you've done a <laughs> TED Talk, right? Yes. Well, you know, the FBI and boy, I love them. They were the soul, you know, they got me home. And um, it's a very, you know, on that personal side, I have a very interesting story about um, uh, not being flown home. You know, I wasn't allowed to tell who I was. My family didn't know I was coming home. We were flown home under complete secrecy. Um, So even my children had no idea when I was coming home and they were just taken one day. And there I was. No, that's fine. But um, So, you know, I love the FBI, and I do, and I speak about voice, and I speak about um, the need for victims to speak and the power of that voice and how to help victims come to get to that voice and speaking it, and also um, to engage within officials 
how to use that voice because there is difficulty sometimes within interdepartments. So even in corporations coming in and speaking about how to create the, the space to see things differently and use a different voice and making choices that literally create peace rather than create havoc, you know, that the ownership of these choices are totally ours and to start helping people question, why are you making this choice and looking ahead of the time as what it will do. Um, as a matter of fact, right now, um, when I get back home, I will be finalizing an app that's called Spark, and it is a, an anchor journal. So schools and teachers and parents can go on this and help a child navigate their way through anger issues and issues where they've had conflict so that not only it brings a resolution of peace to themselves, but they see how they've affected others, and it gives them a list of options. So when they feel this anger coming on again, that they know solutions, that they've got them set, that instead of letting our children go blindly through trying to guess who they are and who they can be, that we can actually help them by giving them solutions. Here's, here's some paths you can take. So they all of a sudden can become rote. Um, and I'm afraid I've strayed there. But anyway... <laughs> No, that, no, it's fascinating. I mean, the app concept, I'd, I'd be really interested to see what that looks like. My, my, when you talk about voice, mm -hmm. what, is it the language or is it, I guess it's a combination of things, but what do you mean when you say voice? Well, voice comes, right, so you are exactly right. There are, are verbal clues, there are nonverbal clues. So the question is, when you see, right, is someone approachable? It's one of the things that we, you know, as a Girl Scout troop leader, right, I used to teach the kids when we were going on campouts, right, that you don't go, right, if your mom is coming in the door and she's got her luggage, you know, her, her work bag from, from work and she's talking on the phone and she's someone with the keys and everything else, this is not the time to run up and say, well, you signed this, right, that we start to look at the clues if people are open to having conversation, to listening to the tone of their voices, to seeing the expression on their faces. Um, as we become a more virtual world, some of these clues are missing. You know, you are starting to read black and white text with the lens as if it has a tone. And that totally depends on your mood, not on actually what the words are being said. So it's really alerting children to all the applications of voice and how to use them. But for children, too, the most, like, word starts off, and, and it deals on expanding. Uh, so not opposites dealt with the opposite thinking, right? That when we start oppositional thinking, we create oppositional thinking. So when we use words, we teach no name calling. Word says, you know, that's a no type of thinking. Let's use yes thinking and expand our ability. Yes, we should call each other names, but the right names. We should be supporting, comforting, inspiring each other. We should be using language and understanding the power of our words and understanding when someone comes at us with toxic words. They're not our words. There's a toxicity within that person, and your heart shield can block that, but also send back kind thoughts, knowing that that person has, you know, this boiling, stoiling, you know, spewing thing within, them, within themselves. You don't have to pick up their fire is, is one of the terms. So here the idea of language is how do we empower it so that you can speak to yourself lovingly, but how you can send empathy, comfort, inspiration out into the world with your words. 
What is the appropriate way? And, and as a matter of fact, in, in words, we examine, when I go into schools, we'll do a project called Hero. And this is, once again, the idea. We tell kids, be who you wish to be, and yet we don't know who we are. So when we're telling that a child, so they don't know they want to be honest. So if someone comes along and, and there's an opportunity to lie because they don't know they wish to be honest, they may lie, and then they may carry some guilt feelings. So if we help, so we take the word hero, and I'll sit down and read the book, and then we, the word hero says, um, send some kind words uh, a friend's way because kind words can heal, you know, save their day. Call yourself hero for making someone feel strong. And we talk about being the hero in your own day, but also helping people become the hero in their own days. Not that you come in and save the day, but that you teach them that they have the power to make the changes they need. So we'll list, what does it look like to be a school hero? Tell me what you'd look around. What are the traits? And then we have the kids make a, write a pledge to be that kind of person. I'm going to try. Because we're human, we can't achieve it all the time. But if we do pledge to be honest and we lie and we turn around and admit that we've lied, we're being honest about it. And that's very human and very loving, and those are the words. So we're trying to create an idea of using words and the power of their words and the forgiveness of it, right? So the other one is how do we create apologies that work? And I've been sending out notices to school and saying, how do you teach kids how to apologize? (laughs) And, of course, we aren't. So instead of saying sorry, you know, say you're sorry, sorry, and, right? and no one ever believes that. <laughs> so what are you sorry for? You know, I'm sorry I grabbed the ball out of your hands. I get so excited when we start to play games that I just forget that it's a game. I really, so next time, remind me in the game, and that will help me. So number one, we've apologized to the child. We've given an, an answer as to why this might have happened, and we've asked them to help us become better. So we're engaging everyone to join in for us to be more compassionate beings together. I need your help. So tell me uh, where, first of all, about Alpha Better, where, where some of that idea came from, but then also tell me where are you headed, both in your books and what you want to do with this? So um, I'll, I'll take the, right, so Alphabetter is exactly the extension of, of words. It is talking about taking our vocabularies and amping them up to really make them such a powerful uh, language, playfully, right, to give kids the idea that let's mix up all our best words and make even better, better words. And uh, one of the words I love is beazing. Have a beazing day. And, and I'll put that on the board when kids will come in and they'll go, what? And I was like, you know, as an author, I love words, and we need words, and let's look at words, and I get a word a day, and I'll read some of my favorite words of the day and talk about how I love the way they roll off my tongue and do that, and the power of beazing, which is beyond amazing. And then I tell them, say that to yourself for a week. Here's your job. When you go home, every morning, look at yourself in the mirror. If you don't have a mirror, turn your spoon over in the morning before you eat your breakfast. Look at yourself and say, you're beazing. And then I'm going to have a beazing day so that we learn, we teach kids the power of their language to boost up their own day, but also to start looking at the words that they can use to create a more joyful experience in the world. 
And so we call it, I call it a compabulary, which is a compassionate vocabulary. Um, and it's the playfulness of portmanteau. You know, and, and we can say, you already know some, like spork and Velcro and brunch. So now we're just going to use them to really make everyone's day great. So that was the extension of um, words. And then the great thing about Alphabetter is on the bottom of it, there is a there are piece words that have been mixed from A to Z. And in some of the schools I was at, I, luckily, right, I came in at Kindness Week. Couldn't have been a better day for Peacemaker, right, to talk about kindness. So in this one, it takes words and mixes them together so that you look at these words and can start talking about peace concept with kids. And, and I love that uh, possibility of allowing teachers, parents to post up this word and have them look at it. So I think the, the first one is elect, which is allow and accept. <laughs> we have to allow ourselves to be who we are and allow and accept people for who they are. Two great ideas. And having them start to notice, you know, in, even for us adults, when are we not allowing that for ourselves? How do we expand upon that within ourselves? So um, I always love the fact that that this expands onto adults. And how I did it is in an adventure on how we look at success and failure. And it really is. I love it because it's written in sort of first and third person. And the tail end of it, and I'm not giving away spoilers, (laughs) is one of those ah moments. But I do love the fact that it you know, I try to achieve something and I think it's a failure until I relook and I see what I missed. So the idea is that we aren't right and wrong and that it isn't black and white, that sometimes when we try things, that we have to understand that every time we try, we learn. And that's the greatest gift that we get. It isn't you know, right and wrong, it isn't that. It's knowing and learning and everything we learn from. So I think that that's a wonderful avenue to start having kids try. And um, it's one of the extension exercises that we do, which is to go home and, and try a new thing. And I was cracking up because I just did, um, a, there's a tree pose where you put one leg, you stand on one leg and then you take the other leg and you bend it and you put it so that it's, it, you have your foot on your knee, yep. and it's called the tree pose, right? I call myself the falling tree. Um, <laughs> I can't, right? I can't, and so I have the kids do it, and we talk about that. I can do it on one side, but not the other. Yep. But if I had given up, I wouldn't have learned that I could do it on one side, not the other, so that we keep trying, and that, you know, when I was younger, I hated ketchup, but now as an adult, I love it, mm-hmm. so that we never take anything off our list, that we always continue to try. So um, as for where this is going, my hopes are that we can keep on opening the conversations. My hopes are that I can continue to grow and be a part of Peace Libraries, that we can create this as the base of education. Um, I had the best affirmation. I'd read the story, Not Opposites, and we'd done a little skit about not picking up the fire. And after I came back in and the kids had gone to recess, the librarian came to me and she was like, I'm already using the lessons. I already had an incident on the playground and I got to use this and the little girl (laughs) looked at me and she was like, ha. So by allowing and getting these words out, we can create the reading of three simple books and start what's called a living curriculum. And that will always be the basis 
for teaching conflict resolution and compassionate response right from the very beginning. And that will give the next generations a base of conversation to always start with and never not have that option and that ability to open those doors to begin peace talks and to begin collaborating, communicating, and unifying with people who might think differently. Now, I know people are going to want to find you <laughs> because of this. <laughs> so where can they do that? What, where, where can they find you and more about this? You know, well, um, you can always contact me at thepeacedragon.com. And I'm on the Facebook as The Peace Dragon and Linda Ragsdale on Facebook. And I would love to meet, you know, with people who uh, like-minded if they have questions. Um, you know, my favorite thing is, is school visits, and I love to come out and do them. Um, and I spend all day at the school. You know, I come in and we work from every grade who, who wants to engage in this. Um, the last, like I said, I was just here in Chicago and we did, we started with, uh, kindergartners and I went all the way through fifth grade. Um, and there are always lessons that we can, when teach and work together. Um, and if you do go to the peacedragon.com in the main screens of it, there's a little uh, thing that says, use your words nicely. And there's a little animated peace dragon card. And I encourage you to send out a lovely message to someone. Anyone, send, reach out and communicate with someone and tell them to have a beazing day. <laughs> tell them that they're a mabulous. <laughs> um, send some loving message and we can change somebody's day. And you too will feel the power of how that little act makes you feel, which is good. And lastly, when will people be able to take a look at your app? Well, now, if they'll connect with me on the peacedragon.com, I understand next week I'm going back in and I'll be looking at the final things and we'll be looking for testers because we want people to come in and help us make this, right? This is the beginning. We want the conversations. How does this work for you? Does it work? Because our goals are to make it so when a, 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 a child walks into a school, you can really help them track and see if the incidents are going down if we do need to get interventive help, you know, and helping to see if we are creating change for this child, which I've had, you know, I've put this together with a, um, a social worker and with people who have the backgrounds to really help us make sure that this is a solid app. But now it needs to go in. So contact me. We'll send you out uh, the links to it, and we'll let you be part of our group. We'd love to know. We'd love as many people who want to be involved to be involved. Terrific. Well, thank you, Linda. This is amazing. And I hope a lot of people will get back in touch with you. Thanks so much. Oh, and thank you so much. And everybody, as a fourth grader once told me, peace in. Peace in.